0: Nomadic living, I mean, I don't even think you need to be like physically mobile. You could be mentally nomadic. You know, you could you could meditate every day and have that as your as your spiritual journey. You don't need to be in your truck in the backcountry in Colorado. So I think there's so many forms of it. And I I think that in the context that we're talking about, obviously it's bouncing around and experiencing all these great places outdoors, but there's so many different ways to be a nomad. And I think that I think the most powerful one is, is, is having your mind be free as, as opposed to just, I mean, physically being free is great, but having your mind truly free, I mean, that's, everybody wants that.
1: What's up, Nomad Ramblers? Craig here with the honor of introducing a big milestone for Nomad Ramblings. Welcome to episode 50. We're in just over a year on this extended conversation, and Brian and I want to thank all of you for tuning in over the past year. Having this venue is a big driver for growth for us. Thanks for being a part of it. Fitting for this milestone, in this episode, Brian and I talk about how we define a nomad as well as van life trends and impacts we see and experience. It dawned on me while editing this episode that we may come across as a bit negative in our van life discussion. We talk a lot about how mountain towns with surrounding public lands and the respective national forests and BLM offices are acting to limit dispersed camping in response to increased public lands abuse. Towns are even outlawing sleeping in one's vehicle. These trends are disappointing, but understandable. Keeping our eye towards solutions though, we call on the responsible vast majority to step up and educate and guide any unknowing bad actors giving we nomads a bad name. Our conversation ends pondering what it means to be a nomad. Brian sees nomads as free spirits. I view nomads as artists. What do you think? Let us know.
0: it's nice up here right now because the all the colors are really popping so um it's a little bit washed out right now with all the sun that's coming up because it's still still pretty bright but as soon as the sun gets overhead i'm gonna take some pictures we'll use that for like the thumbnail for the podcast for the podcast because it's beautiful right now
1: nice yeah i've I've seen some pictures um and i mean it, it comes on really quick there and then it goes away really really quick there so um
0: yeah, some some of the stuff at the top of Gunsight pass, it's already lost its leaves, but I mean we had a crazy windstorm over the weekend. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I think that 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 definitely knocked a lot of them out.
1: Nice. Yeah, it, it's it's coming on slow here. Um and I I actually so I was in at the Adirondacks for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then um it, like peak hadn't hit and you know, I could get the sense that I probably had another week or so. So I was like, well, I'll just go and spend time with my mom and catch up on some computer stuff and kind of get my act in in line and then head back up there when it's closer to peak. So probably later on this week, um, or maybe the first part of next week, I'll, I'll head back up to upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, and just take all that in because it's, I mean, there's no doubt that fall is beautiful out where you are, but here it's just,
0: I I mean, the the
1: range of colors and just how dense the forests are out here, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a totally different game up here.
0: And, and and don't you guys have a bunch bunch more uh, species of trees? So there's yeah, like yeah, so when the when, when all those change, I mean, you know, it's beautiful here with the aspens, but there's there's really only three stages of it. It's like you got the green, the yellow, the red, and then they're gone. Right. And so uh, it's cool to see all that. Yeah, when I was down in Missouri that one time when I was driving to see my brother for Thanksgiving, and I drove through. area west of or i'm sorry east of of uh springfield where the bass pro shops is you know yeah where that where that main one is so all the stuff east of there along i think it was highway 60 that goes into illinois Um, it goes to the southern portion of missouri and dude the mark twain national forest down there in the ozarks with like all the different tree species and then like it sounds like it might be kind of similar it was super dense Mm. and it's like you couldn't walk a foot into there without you know you need a machete just to clear a path because you, it's not like here to where it's open forest. You know? Right. So it was really cool to see that. I'd love to go back down during that for peak because I caught it right at the tail end, so a lot of stuff had already fallen off. But it was amazing because it's like all these cool areas down in um, – uh, the Southern Missouri uh, Ozarks where there's, there's like these springs that, that come out of, there's a huge cave system underneath the state in Southern Missouri and Northern Arkansas. And these, um, these springs come out. So all these communities have been there since like the early 1800s. And so they're on the national historic register. And so they're in the, na- in the national forest, but you'll, you'll roll up to the spring. And there's like this beautiful old mill that was built like in 1830. And they had old, old school houses. And then like old, old, um, uh, uh cabins that that are you know are no longer inhabited but it's all preserved and they have like you know that information about it. i dig history so much i just love that stuff
1: sure i i mean mm-hmm. I, I think you dig it up here too because you you just have a lot of like relatively old areas up here where you've just got mills and what have you that um they're actually not most of them aren't active right now but you you just have a lot of historical stuff around here Um, and they're often right by the streams and the rivers and what have you. And then you just have this lush growth around it. And when the leaves go off, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's New England, Martha Stewart kind of stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, and it, and when you were showing that app kind of screenshot on that YouTube video you did about you and Ruth's hike up the Bug Lake, I was just like, Oh my God. I mean, when you were zooming in, I was like, there's lakes everywhere and there's rivers Uh everywhere.
1: No, I mean you—you you, you actually really do need to get up here, because um, being the fisherman you are, I, I mean it's a fisherman's mecca up up in the Adirondacks, and, and so if you've ever been in northern Minnesota, where you have you know the land of ten thousand lakes, that's a really cool area to explore. But the Adirondacks and and even up into Vermont and New Hampshire it's like the land of 10,000 lakes but you have mountains and and what have you so it's not flat you i mean it's really picturesque
0: wow. but
1: the fishing is phenomenal up here and you know this is where this is all the you know where where all the the New York City money they they come up to the Adirondacks and and up into Vermont and New Hampshire to have their estates and, and whatnot, you know, on mountain lakes and what have you. So it's, um, it's gorgeous. And, um, that's yeah, cool. I, I, I really, really think you should get out here.
0: Yeah. I'd love to check it out, man. Well, what do you say we get into today's topic that we were talking about, about, uh, you want to talk about the van life and how yeah. that's pos- possibly impacting access to dispersed camping in areas of Colorado? Impossible. Yeah, I, I'm, no, sure, the, I'm sure. I'm sure it's impacting others too.
1: Yeah. So. I, I mean, it's a it's a great topic, and I think it's you know, high five to y- you and I for for our fiftieth episode. And I think it's a great topic for the the fiftieth episode. where we're definitely getting deep into into what this is all about. And you seem to be a little bit more plugged into local Mount Crested Butte discussion. What's going on up there? With the dispersed camping sites, and why is it heading in that direction?
0: Yeah, so there's been some changes this year, and this was the first year that it took place. And one of the the first big change was there's no there's no camping allowed any longer within a hundred foot of any water source. So any rivers, you know, has a hundred foot barrier on both sides. Um, any streams, stuff like that, lakes. You can't camp within those areas along Slate River Road, Washington Gulch. Gothic Road and then Brush Creek and then also Cement Creek and so what they've done now is uh the, the, the other thing that they did which is even more impacting which I think is it's scary for, for the way that we operate because we like to disperse camp and be able to kind of pick and choose our sites according to sites that are already pre-existing but the, change, the, the second change that they made was they shut down all those pre-existing sites, put up signs and said no camping here and they assigned only specific areas and it's like group cluster areas to where you can that's the only place that you can quote unquote disperse camp so it's not you don't have free reign like you used to and um, so I was talking to a friend of mine when I was over in Buena Vista at the coffee shop and he works for the Forest Service in the fire department and he was telling me that what's happening here in in Crested Butte and also in Gunnison County because the same thing happened in Hartman Rocks Um, but what's happening here is the new blueprint for dispersed camping in Colorado and he said a big reason for it is because of people living in the backcountry, and so they want to and and they want to limit the the impact of the visitors. Like here here in, in uh, Crested Butte, just last year there were there were people driving their razors up and down Slate River, like in the riverbed, you know, right. during during the low flow. And then there's another guy who threw a bag of feces in a Forest Service person's face. And so, Jesus, yeah, because the guy asked him to 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 stop doing it, and the guy is obviously crazy. I mean from what I understand, he's getting the book thrown at him. But, uh, you know, there's a lot lots of changes that are taking place. And I think what it is, is, you know, that you, you, I think that people can pinpoint and say, can say, okay, well, it's that group or it's this group or it's that group. But the fact is there's just too many people. If there was one person out there doing van life, it's fine. But if there's four dozen every weekend out in the areas where you used to like to camp, I mean, you know, you're going to, that's going to be an issue. But, um, the over, crowding of public lands, I just think there's too many people, you know. And I think that with that, it uh, some groups could have some bad apples and make them look bad. And I think there are some people that live this way that don't necessarily take care of the sites that they frequent. You know, we see it a lot with the river community, unfortunately, a lot of the river guides, um, the river rat crowd, crowd. It's just um, it's becoming a problem, and so the Forest Service just wants to get a handle on it by limiting the dispersed camping and keeping area, people to an assigned area, so they can easily check on where people are at, making sure that they're following protocol.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's um, I think that there's a lot of different factors, and you and you mentioned them. So, so my my understanding is pretty well in line with your understanding. You know, being being the bus driver guy, you know, up and down the Gunnison Valley, um, I had a chance to have some conversations with some locals. And so my my understanding was they, the the Forest Service was interested in restricting dispersed camping because you had a lot of transients that were haphazardly making their own sites. So you had... Yeah. You had the longer term dedicated sites, but then because so many people were coming into the area, they would just be like, Well, screw it. I'm just gonna go into this fresh meadow and you know, make a site here. And maybe they were there for a night or two or whatever, but the the really dense travel periods in Crested Butte, it does get crowded there. And and sometimes if you're showing up late it's hard to find a spot and so you had really inconsiderate ignorant people just making up sites wherever they would go and that's my understanding as to you know the the major driver as to why the forest service is taking this action and and in talking to the locals you know the landowners they they have a lot of support for this action because you know, from their perspective, it's beautiful country. It's, um, it, you know, it's their neighborhood and people are trashing it. And I mm-hmm. absolutely I empathize that. and respect um, that, yep. you, you know, you have it, it's really, really complicated because it, it always boils down to like the crappy, the crappy five to 10 percent of people out there, you know, yep. that ruin it for the rest of us.
0: Mm -hmm. Because every every group has that. Every group has that crappy five to ten percent. There's no group that's perfect, and there's no group that's one hundred percent
1: bad. Exactly. the The net result is regulation and enforcement that impacts everybody, and and so the 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 minority ruins it for the rest of us. And so this is a really blatant. Crackdown on maybe crackdown is the wrong word. Limit it's a really blatant limitation on how you and I live, right? So you know, you yeah. and I, we like to explore and 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 get into these areas, and now now we're being limited as to where we can go. But I've also seen that there's some more subtle, uh, and, and subtle is not even the right word. There's more action being taken on van life nomad people living in their vehicle types of things where you know i i have a um i, I did an interview with my buddy christo johnson um which mm-hmm. um you know I'll, I'll have it be episode number 51 great conversation so he's got a a sweet van and he's been um operating out of glenwood springs paragliding he's a um, a raft guide as well and respectful guy you know when it comes to the environment so Glenwood Springs has a law in place that no one can sleep in their vehicle between the hours of 10 at night and six in the morning. And he had a resident make a phone call to the police when he was just hanging out with his dog in the vehicle. And, you know, a cop came over and and it wasn't a comfortable interaction. But that's like a more, my sense is that there's just a creep of uh, regulations and enforcement that is occurring through the mountain west that is heavily limiting our way of life and it's going to continue, right? I mean it's yeah. it's it's bound to continue. And I don't know I I have empathy and understanding for the local residents. I mean, especially I've never seen any any conclusive data, but, you know, kind of anecdotal and and common sense that you you probably have a lot of shady characters that are living that way. And you don't want them to you don't want to trash the area and you don't want to have any influx of crime. And so I I have empathy and understanding, but at the same time, it sucks. I mean, it's it's changing, right?
0: Yeah, and especially, you know, like like you were pointing out, for people that live respectfully and just want to travel full-time and don't want to be attached to a house, it's like that punishes us for wanting to live free and wanting to live minimally and have a small impact. Uh, at least that's the way I look at this lifestyle. And um, it's, like you said, it just sucks. It's like you, you kind of just start thinking, okay, well, where else am I going to go now? Because... If I can't camp in the spots that I normally would enjoy and do it respectfully and know that I'm not trashing the land and, and stuff like that, then I'm like, if I don't have that option, I don't necessarily want to camp around a bunch of people. We had that one weekend and th- there's nothing wrong with this, but we had that one weekend where, where it was just like an influx of people to that one site that we were at on the river on slate that has that yeah. pit toilet. And it was just too much. Cause it's like, we're, we're not used to being around people all the time. And so when, like, and it was
1: also that it, it, it kind of turned into like almost a rave kind of feel to it yeah. you know, where you had, you know, a lot. And, you know, if people want to have a good time and drink and I, I'm, I'm all for that. But, yeah, it's it's just not comfortable. But go ahead. I, I kind of interrupted you there.
0: Oh, no, that's OK. It's just it's just like what I was saying was, is like it's encouraging me to look elsewhere. And that's why I've been applying to parks and rec divisions in other states, because there are areas of the country that aren't inundated with people yet. But Colorado is just, you know, it's, it's been on the map forever. I mean, people started coming here heavily in the 70s when the ski areas really started picking up. And that's just, it's just uh, gained steam ever since, you know. And last year, I think the tourism numbers were 87.7 million tourists to the state. Now, four out of five of those were in Denver. But you still have to think, okay, so 20% of that came into the mountain. That's 16 million people. That's a lot. Yeah. You know? And, uh, then the, the, the population forecast, since, you know, Denver's growing so rapidly and same with Fort Collins and Colorado Springs, all of that spills over into the mountains. I felt it in Buena Vista the last three years. And luckily over here, it's far enough away, but eventually the creep will just continue to come. And they're saying by 2050 that there's going to be an additional 5.5 million residents in the state. There's already 5 million residents here now. So that's going to double by 2050. And, uh... They said that 3.5 million of it will be on the front range and then 1.5 million of it will be in the mountains. Gosh. So it's just a big pinch and the thing about it too is a lot of these areas there's no more public land or there's no more private land available for sale. And you go into some of these counties and it's it's like okay well there's it, this county consists of 90% public land and oh, and oh and by the way all the private land is already owned. Okay, well where are you going to go? Now, yeah, but, and
1: that in that drives prices up and it, it's yep. I mean there's just a there's a, a multitude of factors that get impacted by this. And, and I, um, so th- there are two, I don't want to say bad actors, but um, two groups that I see are really driving this faster than it needs to be driven. Cause it, it, the trend is the trend. And, you know, like you were just talking about private land is limited Prices are going to go up and public land is going to be impacted more and more. And that the two factors that I see that, that directly correspond or one of them directly corresponds to van life is you have all these transit vans and sprinters it seems like the amount of vans that are out there have like doubled tripled quadrupled like oh yeah the the order of magnitude it's been increased in an order orders of magnitude the number of vans that are out there and it's not even those that are actually living in it i think that you got a lot of weekend warriors
0: types oh yeah and, that and, are see, coming... and i yeah, and those rental companies every weekend, you know, the right. camper vans, and they're plastered with stuff. And, I mean, I, I'm not faulting anybody for being enterprising, but you're definitely, yeah, you're definitely correct. It's like the truck camping, I that's picked up steam, but that's a, still a small group. You know, not everybody right. has a truck. A lot of people have other vehicles that they go out in. But the vans are the ones that you see coming. And then it's so easy to spot them. Solar panels on the roof, you know. Uh, Reflectix on the windows. Okay, that person's full time in. Where are they going to stay when they're out here? They're going to stay in the back country. You know, right. are they working? Are they working in town? And that's another thing too. Is like these towns, they want to have all their services. They want to have the coffee shop staff. They want to have the restaurant staff and all that stuff. But none of those none of those jobs pay enough to where a person can actually live in town or let alone buy land. So what what option do they have? Yeah. You know? If somebody's and, trying to get a toehold in the area and they don't have and they don't they don't come for money or don't have money when they show up, they're going to try to work their way up. I know a lot of people that did that in Buena Vista. I know a guy now that teaches at the college in Leadville and he truck camped for three years trying to get a toehold.
1: Yeah, so I think I mean so the vans there's two subsections in there. You do have the weekend warrior types or you know the people that are living on the front range or elsewhere that are vacationing so those type of van drivers have increased but then like you were just talking about you have the actual full-timers in the vans that can't afford to live in you know they they they, they can't afford property and what have you and so what do you do to get a toehold you you just you know you, you you figure it out so you have that that those two subsections of of van dwellers but then you also have like you also mentioned I've seen a huge influx of the side by sides, the razor type vehicles. Oh yeah, oh, where Singapore. people are just trailing those in, trailering those in, and they're tearing it all up out there. And I, you know, we were we were having a good time, you know, kind of cruising around in the in the razor um, when I was at the off grid Ferry. and I, I think that there's a place for those, but again, it's like just the the huge increase of numbers. And then you have the five to 10% of douchebags that are, you know, running up the middle of slate river road or not slate river road, but actually slate river. Yeah. And and so it, it it infuriates me because you do have bad actors that need to be clamped down on. Um, But there's also like you and I have to admit it. We're, in a in a way, you and I are part of the problem. I mean, we're we're latecomers to the game, relatively speaking. You know, just getting into this in the um, you know, five, six, seven years ago, even though we take great care in not being assholes, um, we're still part of the numbers, right? And yeah. um and that's where
0: well and, and that's where i think that if you're able to uh pay for campgrounds you know go go and patron the campgrounds every once in a while like you know once a month go and do like four or five days at a campground and give some money back volunteer to help out the forest service or blm or state state agency to you know help pick up trash or do trail maintenance or education or whatever it may be and then also adhere to stay limits and then you know move the according length like if this says, okay the uh the stipulations in this national forest say that you can you can only stay here for two weeks and you have to move 35 miles away or whatever it may be you know all of them are different you could go on there and adhere to that and and i think with that you can realistically comply with the laws but like this summer in crested butte i haven't complied with the laws i mean i've been out here more than i was in gunnison camping but i've been working here for the town so the town knew it and they were actually cool with it heck two of the people that i work with truck camp full-time so yeah. i think that i think that for the for the people that live here it's it's real easy on the outside looking in to fault groups and go well it's their fault and it's their fault and it's their fault but for the people that live here like everyone knows you, there's nothing available in town like even if you wanted to go rent something everything that's available is vrbo and you're not going to pay 200 a night to stay here to work a part-time job like it's not right. poss- Like that doesn't work and so they're cool with it. They're like, yeah, it is what it is. Like this is the circumstance, you know. And the Forest Service is cool with that too. Like I talked with them when they're out here, and what are you doing? Oh, I'm full time, and I'm, you know, I work for the town as a gardener. Oh, okay. Well, just be clean, and you're cool. And so I think they make reasonable exceptions, you know. But for an area like this, it just gets inundated so much. They were they, their their hand was forced. Like they had to do something. Right. And and I think that. One thing that is cool about it was, was you know, so that area where we camped, where it has that pit toilet, where we were talking about that, where it became like a dance dance party. Uh, The Forest Service set up there a little bit after you left. uh, I think it was like two days after you left. And they were using that as an education area to to teach people about camping and stuff, which I thought was really cool because I went up and I asked them, like, hey, what what are you guys doing? I'm just curious, you know. They're like, oh, we're going to use the new dispersed camping rules as a way for education to do outreach to people that are here, and hopefully we can get those areas revegetated and maybe reopen them one day. So, you know, that was encouraging to hear because that seems to be proactive instead of reactive because up to this point, and uh, I think the Forest Service had – maybe a bunch of ideas of what to do but they weren't but nothing had been implemented and now it's like okay they implemented something but they're going to take it a step further and use that as a as a way to educate people because like when i showed up here from kansas in 1998 i didn't know how to properly recreate in the back country i see ruined yeah. the background yeah but i but but i didn't know because like you know like where we grew up that old farm that was parceled out that my parents bought the lot on, and we grew up there, and my brothers and I would ride the go karts every day on the plains. But the next day, you'd wake up and it didn't look like anything was there, because the plains is such a resilient ecosystem that can just take a pounding. Well, you come up here, and it's a completely different story. And so that education component is, is what's needed, and I think that is going to go so much further than just finding people and you know saying no, no more access. I mean, if they if they explain why. And let people know, then I then maybe there's a new movement that could come from it,
1: you know. Yeah, I, I think you're more optimistic <laughs> than yeah. I am.
0: Well, I, I I had a good morning, you know. I had a lot of coffee. Yeah, so. <laughs> I,
1: I mean, and i I don't want to I don't want to be a total wet blanket, but I guess I I just, you know, the the phrase that keeps coming to my mind is the tragedy of the commons. So you have you have a common resource, public lands that everybody that, that, that everybody has access to in theory. So every, everybody can get a piece. And you have you have people like you and I that um, treat it with care, concern, and, and do our best. But we also publicize what we're doing, right? Because like even with this podcast, we're talking about how awesome it is. And so you have people listening, and I'm not like pointing fingers at our audience, but I'm just talking generally so word gets out right that you've got this common resource that everybody gets to play with, and so you know if you if you look at like fishing as the analogy in the ocean so that's that's a really um useful analogy for this concept of the tragedy of the commons so you have fishermen that would go out there and take just enough to take care of their families and then you had like people thinking like oh i can make money or i can do whatever i want out there and they're fishing more and more and more and so the tragedy of the commons is that you've got a common resource that Initially might be well taken care of um, and used responsibly by the first comers, but then everybody comes in and starts taking advantage of the resource, and so it becomes a tragedy. So it's a tragedy yeah. of the commons, and that's, I guess, what I see happening in in the backcountry of the public lands where you've got people that respect it use it responsibly but then you have other people that are like oh it's a free-for-all we could just come in there and do whatever we want and they ruin it for for everybody
0: yeah shoot guns party throw beer cans everywhere i i spent uh two days ago on, on sunday afternoon i went up to washington gulch to record a video i started looking around and there was there was like broken um um uh, like uh, clay, clay pigeons everywhere from somebody skeet mm-hmm. shooting, and I'm like, those things are orange and they're made, they're made out of. I mean, I know they're made out of clay, but I mean, they're they're orange and they, they're, it's trash everywhere, and it's just littered everywhere. I'm like, who the fuck does this, you know? Yeah. And that's like, and like, what 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 will happen then? is somebody will come out and say, oh, those damn hunters. Well, most of the hunters I know are extremely respectful of the yeah. land, but you, yeah. but but you know, once again, the five to ten percent of jackasses that this human race kicks out <laughs> seems to be more these days but yeah. uh but it's just it's just an increase in people and that's that's where like i said you know it's encouraged me to look elsewhere and i'm i'm excited for that because i i mean i've been in colorado off and on since 1998 so it's time yeah. to see some new stuff and I'm, I'm ready for some new terrain and some new hikes and some because i kind of know the lay of land out here you know
1: yeah and i and i i guess the Turn my own mindset toward the positive. I, I, I do think that the education efforts that the Forest Service is taking in that area um, to educate people on how to properly use dispersed camping sites and whatnot, that that really, really. So I guess in my mind, that's the best possible thing that can be done. But all mm-hmm. it does is it slows it down. It's not right. going to reverse the trends. The the trend is already moving in that direction where more limitations, more restrictions are going to be coming. More towns are going to be taking action to prevent, you know, migrants from, from coming in like you and I and, and what have you. So what they're doing is great. It's slowing. It's slowing down the damage. It's slowing down the trend, but the trend is there. And so where, where does that leave it? And so, you know, you, you mentioning that you're, you know, interested in checking out other areas and you've had enough for Colorado. And I, I have the same kind of mindset where I'm like, oh, okay, like, I'm not, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be like all, uh, I, I'm not going to turn into that person. I'm going to look, but it's, we're constantly going to be on the, the, the move. It's not like we're going to be able to, and it's not that I want to stay in one place forever, but yeah. it's almost like that um you can almost look to city cities as an example to what's happening with us, right? So cities, they're pushing out the quote unquote ghettos, right? like so yeah. the, the development pushes pushes the lower class people further and further out because they can't afford the newer developments and the newer stuff all and and so I think that that's happening people like you and I, where we're just going to be pushed further and further out. And yeah, maybe that's what's got to, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just think it's sad. I, I mean, uh, yeah, it really...
0: I, I, I do too. I mean, you know, and you were talking about the, the, um, um, curse of the commons, the, the, the place where I first camped by myself overnight, uh, near, uh, a town of Montezuma, Colorado has now been closed. And the reason why is because it was right next to this creek, and there there was all, all these great trees, so I'd hang a hammock in there, and I'd go to sleep. And I remember the first night, dude, I freaked out. I'm like, I know a bear's going to come get me or something. You know, it's like that first night in the <laughs> forest by yourself. And every every noise you hear is like a ominous creature coming to kill you. But luckily I made it out okay. And, and then, so, you know, last year I was rolling back there, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to go back up there and check it out. I was so disheartened to go up there and see that all the trees next to the stream had been cut down for, for like, firewood or whatever. Oh. Uh. So and so they closed the area, and it was a beautiful tree, like, bend in the river right there. All these awesome trees out there, and all of them had been cut down. And, and, like, some of them had been chopped down, you can see, with, like, axes and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where's the disconnect there, you know? And right. that's, that's, what, that's what's frustrating with this is we'll be out here, and we'll see either our colleagues in trucks or just other people camping, tent camping, or van lifing or whatever, and they're just totally trashing it. And you're like, dude... What do you think what you think you go away and it just magically repairs itself i mean i and then that, and like you said, that's where the education is gonna you know come in good and ho- hopefully that'll have an impact
1: but yeah i'm, I'm not I, gonna
0: and, be I'm not gonna be around
1: for it so yeah no, and i i nor I, and you know i i i i I assume that our audience is like minded with you and I where we we work to use the resource responsibly. Um, And I, I, all of us need to do our part. And, you know, if you see using that, 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 that cliched phrase, you know, if you see something, say something. So if you see someone being a douche, say something, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and we all need to slow down the, the restrictions that are inevitably going to be placed on, um, on, on the areas that, that we use and and love to use. And, um, and, I,
0: you know, and I think self-policing like that, is, if it's done the right way, I've, I've done it both ways to where I've been real aggressive towards someone and that usually backfires and they're not going to listen. And then you had other times where you're like, hey, uh, just a heads up, I, you know, I'm from the area and, and this is some local knowledge that I wanted to share with you. And then maybe explain why, you're, why you, you wouldn't camp in that area or why you wouldn't drive a 4x4 through that meadow or something like that. And a good example of that was I was up in um, Hank, up at Hancock Pass doing a trail repair up there in a meadow, and these guys came up in side-by-sides, and they are like, oh, that's cool, we'll just go around because we had all our trucks parked there because we were dragging up uh, trees above, street, above tree line. And we're like, no, 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 actually, you, you can't go through the meadow. That's what we're repairing. Reason being is that it's causing erosion patterns. This is above tree line and those those uh ruts caused from the from the wheels or from the tires that's where the water's channeling down when the snow melts and it's and and it'll cause the road to wash out they're like oh we didn't know that and they got out they got other vehicles and helped for an hour they're from texas oh wow and it was just cool to see that but but they but they didn't know no one had ever told them and it's not inherent knowledge you know you don't you don't go to a new ecosystem and just know the lay of the land right so You know, I, that's, that's where I think that, you know, I also think some of the damage done out there is unintentional. You know, it's not, people don't know what they're doing. They're like, Oh crap, you know, but there's, there's some of it is. And and that's why the forest service is in the position that they are. But I think going forward, you know, I I do see the clamp down on van life because that's so recognizable for the trucks that are more lower profile. There've been truck campers for years. I mean, sliding campers have been around since the seventies. And so, so that's not a new trend but the but the van dwelling is it's so it's so it's something that can be accomplished by the masses you know you like truck right. camping I, truck camping wears people out you know i'm tired a lot but i like doing it but i have a lot of energy but it's not for everybody but the van you can make that pretty comfortable i've seen some vans that look like a swanky hotel room inside i mean they're awesome you know yeah. like the, some of those sprinters that are that are like the dualies and stuff like that i mean those things are nice yeah um, but With that, with that appeal to the masses, then there's more people that are able to get out there. And that that's where I think the increase has been in that, where it's been, like you said, three or four fold over the past, I would just say five years. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, when you see a new person looking or you see a person saying, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and hit the road. They're going in a van and it's yep. usually a, and it's usually a sprinter. I mean, Sprinters got to love it. Hell, they're they got to be making money hand over fist with all the stuff they're selling.
1: Yeah. But,
0: and the prices with it too. Some of those prices are ridiculous. Yeah. But uh I think that there's going to be like, hey, no vans, you know, no Sprinters or or I don't know if they would ever go to that extent to say a specific model, but I think they're going to outlaw like the vehicle stuff, you
1: know. Yeah, I've been you know, you you and I talk about our rigs quite a bit. I, I purposely really work hard to not have a bullseye on my vehicle. I, I try to keep it really low profile. Um, you know, I don't even put bumper stickers or anything like that on my vehicle because I don't want it to stand out. I mean, it's still it's still a pretty sweet truck with the suspension and the tires that I've got. Um, yeah, but outside that, of that, I I do make a concerted effort not to stand out in in the crowd. You know, the other thing that I, I I wanted to bring up as a as a topic of conversation that's related to van life and the, the trends in cracking down on dispersed camping and, and living in your vehicle and whatnot is the extreme athletes, the pioneers, the the ones that really opened up the mountain west and um you know, kind of opened it up for all of us. They, I think a lot of them entered that way of life by living out of their vehicles and just going bare bones, going minimalist, I, whether it's rock climbing or rafting or whatever, they were the ones who pioneered the extreme adventuring and. I think you also have a lot of artists that um, also first laid inroads into areas like Crested Butte and Boulder and what have you, and they're getting pushed out. They can't. So if if you draw the trend line, that all these all these areas are going to be clamped down on more and more and more. Wait, like what room does that leave the sp- the free spirits to to go and innovate you know and and mm-hmm. and and inspire um and you know i I don't think that 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 necessarily van life's gonna clamp down on that but I do think that if you look at crested butte you, you can't have any like within five, five to 10 years, you're not going to have any artists living there. You're not going to have any extreme, you're not going to have any, you know, like country boy from Tennessee coming out there that wants to climb new routes and what have you. They're not going to be able to do that. You know, you're not going to have the Ansel Adams, the new Ansel Adams and whatnot, you know, struggling to find their way. Like, you're you you're just not going to have any more pioneering towns like Crested Butte of the past or Boulder of the past.
0: Absolutely. So all, all those towns. It's really sad. Yeah. Nope. Yep.
1: It's not like this is a new idea that I'm I'm bringing up right now. I think that this is a common discussion in in the Boulder, Colorado's, in the Driggs, Idaho, in in the Jackson Hole, Wyoming's. Like it, it's it's known but it's it's kind of this like it it's this yeah it's just a it's watching a tragedy unfold in slow yeah. motion
0: well we we've, we've seen it we've seen it with the mountain towns lose their identity over the last 5 to 10 years all right. these mountain towns that used to be so cool and now they're transient or not transient communities in the sense that it's like you know uh, uh, negative people coming but what i mean is the vrbo crowd When you have, like, the people that that left uh, Beaver Creek to come to Buena Vista to redo the Lariat, Robbie, and and Court, they left their community that they lived in for 20 years in in Beaver Creek because they said ultimately it got to the point where there was one other house in their cul-de-sac, like, subdivision area. They lived in those long cul-de-sac road. One other house on their street was still owned by a resident. The rest of them were VRBO. Yeah. Like, who wants to live next to that? I don't. You know, I don't want to live next to um, every house around me as a rental for vacation. If it's long-term rentals, it's different because then you have consistent neighbors. But if you got brand new people every week showing up, you're going to get that jackassery. Like you said, Like people think it's a free-for-all. They go on vacation. They want to party. And I understand they want to let loose. But you still have to respect that people live there. And that's one thing that I've noticed, too, with all the crowds coming into the mountain towns. It's like if I'm working, I'm out trying to get stuff done or I have a certain amount of time on lunch break and these people are driving five miles an hour down the road in a 25 mile an hour zone because they don't know where they're at and they're gawking. I'm like, hey, be mindful. There's still the people that live here, you know. And right. uh, but, you know, it's it, it's definitely it's definitely you yeah, have definitely noticed a deterioration in the identity of these mountain towns. Now, a lot of them are still doing things to try to hold on to that and try to hold hold on to their. Traditions, and you see a lot of these fall festivals going on after school starts, when the tourists are gone, and it's more like a festival for the town. Yeah, I think that's I think that's cool. And then, like you know, being a business so like still has that like community community dinner on Main Street, where everybody from town gets together, and they put out like three thousand dinners, and everybody has one dinner together a, a year for the community. So stuff like that's cool. So I think the small towns still have an opportunity to um, create that unity, but it's, it's slowly getting chipped away at just like the dispersed camping is here. And I, and I think ultimately what's going to happen is there'll be so much regulation in these areas that people will start to look elsewhere to go because right. they'll say, well, Colorado's too restrictive. Now I can't enjoy it the way that I'd like to. It's too regulated. I don't want to be regulated when I go camping. So therefore I'm just not going to go to Colorado anymore. And therefore Colorado kind of solves their own problem. But it, yeah, but it's at the I, it's at the expense of the locals and everything, kind of.
1: Well, and I, I I guess that's my point is that you you will like Colorado will lose the free spirits, the artists. Yeah. You know because the the real estate is going to be driven up so much and in in price, so you won't be able to have the 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 struggling innovators to be able to find their way and you know, it, it'll, it'll just become another Boulder and, and Boulder. I, I don't, you know, I, I have an appreciation for that area, but it's also, it feels like when you're driving around there, I mean, it feels like either California or the East coast, like yeah. people are honking at you and Definitely. there's impatience. You can just feel it in the, in the air I, I think that uh, I, I think it's just a, a tragedy, but I, I mean, whatever. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's where it's going and I'm, I am going to keep on moving and, and that's, that's what, um, that's kind of what I like about the lifestyle If it starts to change. Then, then I get to yeah. to move to another area.
0: Hey, um, what, uh, just, just, uh, just real quick. I, my battery is flashing at me. I think my computer's overheating here, so I'm going to have to log off shortly. I'm trying to get it cooled off, but I wanted to ask you, what, what's your plans for the winter? Have you,
1: have you, yeah. have you
0: kind of, have you flushed it out yet?
1: No, I, am right now. I'm, um, my, my thought process is I will return to the Gunnison area. Okay. Um, uh, just because having that, that, that work, um, that's a big draw for me, but uh-huh. I mean, related to this whole conversation that we've having, the, the fact of the matter is, is I'm, I, it's going to be tough to tread what, to, to just tread water. Um, with how much I make and the cost of living there, um. So yeah, that's right now is what I'm thinking about. But I'm also thinking about how do I, you know, I, it's not like I can live out of my vehicle, <laughs> you know, and that yeah. in that kind of winter environment. Um, yeah,
0: that's that's too brutal, man. It, it was even too brutal for my tent with the wood stove.
1: Yeah. So I, um, that's what I'm thinking about right now, but um. It's still an open question if if something else pops up um i'm I'm open to it, but I think it's more than likely that I'm gonna end up back out and got but i'll I'm not gonna be end up back at the the monastery. Um, yeah you know I'll have something else um, that I have to figure out.
0: Cool, yeah, I was thinking about it. There's gonna be a, a new person taking over the parks and Rec division here at Mount be for next year, and he's super cool, and he came from the front range and I actually worked with him this year. And he's really—he's a really good guy. He really knows what he's doing. And so he, he he mentioned he goes, "Hey, if you wanna, if you wanna come back for next year, just let me know by like May." He goes, okay. if, stuff, if, stuff "If stuff doesn't pan out for the other parks and rec divisions that that you're applying for," because I was—I told him that's what I was doing. He was like, "If it doesn't pan out, you're—we'd love to have you back." So that's kind of nice to know. So if, if for some reason I'm not able to get on somewhere else, then I may come back. Yeah, I—I—I've uh, been trying. i been thinking about my winter too. I mean, after I leave here, I want to do that hot springs tour to where I'll – I'll go uh, and and start out at Valley View and start working my way south through New Mexico and then over into Arizona and do some uh, backpacking to some hot springs that are, there's this one that's like a five mile backpack in and it's at 9,000 feet up in New Mexico, so I'm looking forward to checking that out. So I'm going to do that and then go back to uh, Kansas for Christmas and then pick up my four season tent and then that's when I'm going to hit the road and do a bunch of winter camping throughout the American Southwest. And I'll let the audience decide, like I was saying, I I was kind of kicking Uh, around that idea. Yeah, so I'm gonna put up a poll on my website every week and say, all right, you know, here's the five places or four places that I'm thinking about going. You all pick where I'm going. And I give like information about each one along with the weather forecast and stuff. So I think that'd be kind of cool.
1: That that does sound like a good uh that that sounds like a fun game. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I I know um I know I'm gonna roll back well i'm I'm pretty certain I'm gonna roll back to the mountain West for the winter. I'm pretty certain it's gonna be Gunnison. Um, I am gonna roll back into Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. i I've got one friend in particular that um, I want to spend more time with and and probably have Thanksgiving with her. Um, and then yeah we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. i'm I'm psyched to have that CDL because I, I think it yeah. gives me so many options um, in, Any, in anywhere you can up, go. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I hear I was hearing when I was over in Bluff, Utah, just on the local radio, I'd hear like C D L you know people hiring for cdls all the time 25 starting pay thousand dollar signing bonus i mean all this stuff i'm thinking right dude that's perfect for anybody who's mobile you can just stay for stay somewhere for a little while and jam and then save some money and roll somewhere else like that's what i'm thinking about with getting a master gardening certification and then yeah with that i could i could literally go anywhere i mean hell the master gardeners in crested butte charge 60 an hour
1: that's crazy that's crazy good
0: yeah, I mean, and That's you get you good. get like couple, couple, four or five clients that have some nice vacation homes there, or you get on with a property management company that really wants their stuff dialed in for a high end client. You can make major bank like over a right. couple of weeks, you know, and then you're good to go for months.
1: Turning the conversation again back to the idea that this is our fiftieth episode. Um, yeah, you know, you 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 brought it up a couple times that you you felt like a question worthy of exploration is you know that that general run one what what is a nomad um yeah do you do you have an answer
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i no i i don't i mean you know it's it's kind of funny because yeah i i'm i'm here four and a half years deep into living on in my truck full time being on the road and, it, and it's like, I've got my life figured out, but I don't have anything else figured out for anybody else as far as advice goes or anything like that. It's like, I, I figured out what, what inspires me. Um, and I think that nomadic living, I mean, I don't even think you need to be like physically mobile. You could be mentally nomadic. You know, you could you could meditate every day and have that as your as your spiritual journey. You don't need to be in your truck in the backcountry in Colorado. So I think there's so many forms of it. And I, I think that in the context that we're talking about obviously it's bouncing around and experiencing all these great places outdoors but there's so many different ways to be a nomad and i think that i think the most powerful one is 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 having your mind be free as, as opposed to just i mean physically being free is great but having your mind truly free i mean that's everybody wants that
1: yeah i think that that's a that's a pretty good way of looking at it you know their mind being free and i the 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 concept that keeps coming back my way is you know living living life or treating life as a as a piece of art mm. you know where it's it's just you know you um, you, know, you you bring inspiration into it You're, um, i don't know how someone with a family a traditional family can I I don't know it's just hard for me to think about so I you know I spent some time in Chicago with a few friends that have families um so I I've got my my one friend who's got three kids you know he's got a nice house and and whatnot and he's working his ass off to provide for his family and there's no doubt that there's there's some really beautiful things going on in his life you know he's his kids are getting involved in sports. I was able to go and 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 see his daughter play field hockey, and his sons playing hockey, and his other son. You know, and I think I showed you. I, I put up that video. You know, where I I raced them to the car. You know, yeah. And so, yeah. and you um, won. You won. I no. I I totally kicked ass, dude. I made <laughs> one of them. I actually made one of them cry. But, you know, and you push him
0: down, loser,
1: dude. You know if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot at the title, you, you got to right. be willing to lose. So um you know, there's 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 something really attractive and appealing about that, but i I don't see. I guess it's hard for me to see that as a a piece of art. And, and maybe that's arrogant of me to say, and maybe I'm just not being able to think about it creatively enough, but I guess I look at the restrictions in his life as to how much money he has to make in order to support it. And yeah, I don't, I don't want to knock anybody who's got that life, but I don't, there's, not there's, for you. there's so much. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's so many limitations in that. And, and so, um, you know, going back to that question, you know, what, what is a nomad? And if a nomad is someone who treats their life as a piece of art, you know, and, and acts on inspiration and, and changes it up, changes media and what have you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really attracted to that way of life. I, I try to live it. And like one of the concepts that I'm playing around with in my mind is I, I do like the idea of having a couple pieces of property. Um, having a piece of property in, in a Chicago, a New York, where it's right in the middle of civilization and urban life, where I can park my car for months at a time and just, you know, walk out the door and go to the coffee shop, go to the restaurant, go to music and what have you. And then have that kind of, quote unquote, country estate, you know, where I can. And maybe it's just a freaking trailer on a fucking piece of property, you know, on the high country. It's not <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: like that's 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 an estate to me, man.
1: <laughs> you know, that that's what I'm talking about. But that's yeah. that's kind of the model that attracts me right now where where I can do urban nomad living, and then country nomad living, high country nomad living, um, but still have a little bit more stability to it. Because it's, you know, like you were talking about before, it's rough on the body to Mm -hmm. be living out of the back of a truck. And it's really hard to get work done because you're subjected to, you know, do I have cell signal? You know, do I have side-by-sides rolling in and freaking ruining my... Do I have a swarm of mosquitoes, you know, coming in and ruin my day? Mm-hmm. You don't have a in getting... my in my
0: rig, you know, to like stretch out and get the computer going. Yeah, and like, you, you know, it's, it's my
1: computer overheating, you know, because I can't control the climate in here. It's that's really, really hard on you. And um, I, I guess I'm just I, I am interested in being able to control have controllable environments that allow me to do some artistic work and expression. But you know, I, I don't want to take on that mortgage. I don't want to take on the responsibility of raising seven kids, and right. you know, making sure that I have the coolest watch and you know the newest pair of undies. Yeah, to you know, to, um, you know, it, it, to, to keep up with the Joneses.
0: It's so interesting that you say about the watch because it, my friends Rick and Katie uh, Biederman from from Buena Vista came over to camp last weekend, and somehow we got on the conversation. So they're from Chicago. And uh Oh yeah, all, Bears. All the-, the Bears. Did the Bears, <laughs> the Bears win last night? I, yeah. I, I my, dude okay. you guys crushed it. Trubisky had like three touchdowns.
1: Dude. Yeah, he came back he came back, I, he came back
0: I, in a big way. So he had a good game. Well, and and, good. and your guys' defense was light out so I think your guys' defense caused five turnovers. I think. Well, I my my
1: mom doesn't have cable. She's got like that basic, basic, basic cable, and so she does an have ESPN. So I couldn't watch the game last night. But
0: <laughs> you just you just have the church station and like the local cake affiliate or something. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's
1: yeah. It, 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 it's perfect because it it keeps me from turning on the TV. But anyway, you you yeah. were you were talking uh, about the watch the how how Katie and
0: yeah. Um, so so they're, they're here visiting. Yeah. So they were visiting and, and I, I had my phone out and my phone's all cracked and it's an old one and I don't really care. That's it. It works. So that's good enough. And it was funny. Cause she was like, you know, she's like, Katie was mentioning. She's like, you know, when we were in Chicago, she's like, we were there and we've been living on the ranch now for over two years. And, uh, She's like, so we're just a much different mindset. She goes, but when I was living in the city, like if I didn't have the latest and greatest iPhone, like when the iPhone came out, like because she was a lawyer and she still is, but she's a lawyer out here. And she's like, everybody had to get the latest and greatest stuff. You had to be on top of it. And if not, there was something socially wrong with you. And I was like, I know the same thing happened to me in Southern California when I was in the, the highfalutin sales arena. You know, it's like, if you didn't have the best car, the coolest suit, the latest and greatest phone, it's like you were kind of a loser, and that create, that puts so much pressure on. You. It's like talking about the shackles, you know, the the restraints on on your time and stuff like that. The biggest restraint on someone's time, I think, is financials. Is the financial strain, you know, because that, yeah. that's that's just constant. It's always there. It doesn't alleviate unless it's gone. And so, I think that people would do themselves a huge favor by coming in and living the way that we do. Because I mean, I used to be kind of a snob when I was in the corporate world. I had, I mean I had freaking really fancy BMW. I had all these different you know, $1,000 suits and stuff like that. But that's what the environment that I was operating in required for me to fit in, which was kind of stupid on my behalf to think I had to fit into that. But there's a lot of pressure involved in that. And now I come out here and it's like, I don't even want to spend, you know, 30 bucks on a dinner at a restaurant because i think that's too much money now whereas before 30 $30 was what i would give and tip on like an expensive meal out with me and a bunch of my buddies and it's just like the whole mindset changes like living out of the back of my vehicle and i I look on of ways to like diy things now as opposed to go buy it and uh you know, like, like you were saying, you don't want to acquire that mortgage or anything, but you still want to have a place to operate. And that's, that's what I'm, I'm looking at too. And so that's where I think like, okay, the further out I go and the farther away I get from people and the more remote I get, the cheaper the land will be. And it will probably have features that I, that I'm drawn to, like the solitude and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's that. It seems like my life is headed in that direction, off grid, eventually. I still want yeah. a truck camp. I still want a truck camp for a couple more years. I'm having a blast doing it. Oh but, yeah. But uh, but you know there will be a day where I'm like I'm just tired and I'd like to sit down. And uh, when that happens, I want to have an off grid place. So I think prepping that now and getting that ready is ideal because uh, then I can transition from like a nomadic life on the road to like okay now I want to now I want to go there and record this story that I lived. You know, and I want to use that as like a, kind of like a bookend to that chapter.
1: Yeah. What is a nomad? And, you know, like treating our lives, treating our lives as a piece of art and our canvas. We're not locked into any one canvas, you know, like we, we get to swap out our canvases as as we see fit and i and maybe maybe it's like that mindset of flexibility and um you know an unrootedness you know that there's there's some kind of you know we we put our roots down differently maybe maybe that's that's a way yeah. to think about it um
0: no i, I agree with you man so like, i i think that another thing too is like i think that life is such a journey and Mentally, if you look at like being a mental nomad and like constantly developing and and moving, I mean, there's been times in my life where I've grown, um, you know, mentally and spiritually, and then not, and then times where that's actually had atrophy when I felt too much pressure and stuff. Like like when I when I hit the road full time, it was because I had too much pressure in my life and I need to decompress that. And so, I mean, like life is a journey. I think that we're all nomads in a certain degree, and we're all trying to find our way. I think that's right. th- I think that's another thing too, and that's I think that. A lot of people that are trying to find their way and really, really trying to find the purpose behind what they're doing don't mind moving around all the time and trying new spots because they're wanting to say, like, hey, I'm going to give this a test run. And, and I'm, to me, that's the best way that fits my life to see where do I want to settle down eventually. I want to do test runs in all these separate areas and see what fits best. And then truck camping is a great way to do it because it's cheap. So I can oh, go yeah. around. Yeah. yeah, we can go, go around and experience these areas without feeling as though, uh, you know, we have to spend $5,000 a week on a nice vacation that I'm to stay in a resort area. I don't want to do that, nor, nor do I have right. the funds to do that, so... But uh, but it, it is cool. It seems like things in my life are a little bit more normalizing. I mean, I know we talked about in a couple podcasts ago how we don't want to be influencers full-time, and that's not my goal either. But the, the YouTube stuff I've been doing lately with the 30, 30 videos for 30 days, even though I'm a little behind on the videos, um, I'm going to get caught up this week. That has exploded on the channel, and it's been great for for revenue. And so it's, like, it's nice to know that if I ramp up efforts in that area, it can immediately impact and have a a positive impact on my income. Because after I, after I leave here with the part-time job, I'll just be relying on, on uh, that and a few other things that I'm doing. So um, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of comforting for me because it makes me feel like, okay, going into the winter when there's more viewership, because everybody's inside, because it's cold. If I'm doing that tent camping thing and putting out a series every week on that or multiple videos per week, and then doing like a live stream from camp with my, dedicated mobile hotspot. I mean, I think that's going to be a, a winning combo.
1: Yeah. I'm um, excited. Yeah. I, I was, I was spending some time. Um, I've been spending time in the last couple of days looking, ke- trying to catch up on your videos and getting my own, my own video. You know, I, I finally got, <laughs> I finally got a Rue video out. Yeah. That's um, good. And I, yeah, I, I don't, I, I certainly don't knock and completely close the door to, um you know using youtube as a tool of of communication i i communication is really important to me that's kind of a it's kind of like a driving principle for me is is improving my communication and i so that's that's why i like doing this podcast so much and i also think that the youtube um uh, uh output fits into that and it it doesn't need to go um it doesn't need to go into um, in, in in the influencer path. Yeah, pathway. you know you, Total, you don't totally.
0: Yeah, you don't need be like, to be like, hey, this is me. You know,
1: right? Yep,
0: that's what I love about it because you that that video you can tell a story, and then people get to know you on a personal level. They like can, can connect with you. Be like, oh, he's he likes what I like or whatever, and uh, I, that's what I like about it. I get a lot of great feedback from people, and then, and then you get the knobs every once in a while that will say stuff, and I just blog them.
1: Yeah. So yeah. No, I, I think that that's, Now you've got some good commenters, um, on your, um, people give like really constructive Yeah. Um, feedback and, and what have you. So
0: it makes um, me feel good when that, when people do that, when they, when they actually like watch the video and then we'll comment specifically on something. I'm like, cool. They're actually paying attention.
1: All right. Well, I think we got, got about an hour here. Um, yeah, a little hour, hour plus. Um, so I five again on the 50th episode and, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how we get. Uh, you know, people are obviously listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, it's great. Get, it's great
0: getting messages from people just out of the blue. I got one on Instagram the other day.
1: I know. Yeah, I know. And I got someone hit me up on on LinkedIn, and that was awesome too. Um, so there's yeah, that's cool. Um, we we always and there's there's actually someone. Um, I think her name is Mia. Um, she reached out to me a little while ago saying that she'd be willing to, um, to, to get interviewed. She, she was responding to our question as to, um, you know, what, what annoys women about men, oh. so, you know, <laughs> we'll give a call out me, a
0: few. Is that me? Is that Mia Voss? My, my friend Mia
1: Voss? No, it wasn't Mia Voss. It's just, it's just, you know, someone who follows us, oh, you cool. know, who, who hit us through up through, uh, through Facebook. So, um. Anyway, it's it's great to hear from people, and even just to, you know, friend us or uh, whatever LinkedIn connect. However, however people want to plug in, it's great to hear from people and, and yeah, make definitely. those connections.
0: Yeah, most definitely. So, well, cool, man. Well, it's warming up like crazy here in my topper, so I'm gonna I'm gonna log off. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm make do go, go do a cold plunge here at the waterfall site.
1: All right, man. Well, uh, well, good, good catching up, and um, I'll uh, I'll I'll be plugging back in more on the YouTube thing and and letting people know about my fall adventures out here in New England.
0: Yeah, man. I look forward to seeing those those fall colors.
1: All right, sweet man.
0: All right, dude. Later. See you.